Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. Last week, I was talking to my friend Tom Britton, lifelong friend and co-author, and we talked about how he got started in magic and banking and speaking, and we were just about to start talking about the book that we wrote together called The Magic of Change. Let's pick up the conversation here. We're doing the same things. We're just doing it differently. Nothing's really changed much over all these centuries. We thought, wow, that'd be a great workshop we could put together for corporate America. We could go and, oh, but wait a minute. What if we wrote a book? Well, I, it didn't start with what if we wrote a book. It start with your saying, Kent, you ought to write a book about that. Because <laughs> I'm the one that brought up the true, topic. True, true. And I said, no, Tom, you ought to write a book about mm -hmm. that. And I still am not sure exactly how that merged into we ought to write a book about that, but that's what happened. That's what happened. It took about a year, and yeah. uh, we didn't have a working title other than change. Right. As we got together, we had lots of chapters, and we wanted it to be a book kind of like Reader's Digest. You could pick it up and put it down, and you didn't have to follow from start to finish. Yeah, what they call a bathroom book. There you go. A book that you can just have in the bathroom and pick it up and read any part you want to. Yeah. Whatever. It's funny because, of course, technology was very different in the last part of the last century. You lived not in Houston proper. You lived in Spring, mm -hmm. which is the same community that my sister and her husband lived in. I lived in Oak Hill, which is south-south in Austin. And we discovered that if we wrote things in Word, we could send them back and forth to each other in the computer and we could track changes. That's when I learned what track changes in Word yep. meant. You would write some chapters and I would write some chapters and we'd send them back and forth. And I didn't like the ones you wrote and you didn't like the ones I wrote. Well, we just had different writing styles. I tended to write like a college graduate. Not that <laughs> you kept telling me, you know, you have to write like a fifth grade student for people to really understand. Dumb it down, because we have a wide audience. Right. And I'm not. That was, that was the biggest challenge. He would throw in big words that I hadn't even heard of. I had to look them up. Indubitably, I would what do that. What does that mean? <laughs> anyway, I said, you know, if I'm having trouble with this, imagine some of the people. We, we got to communicate more clearly. Anyway, we had, we had some big arguments. I mean, this was not a cakewalk putting collaboration. We almost threw our hands up and said, oh, the heck with it. But we persevered and so glad we did because it wasn't long before the magic of change, the illusion, the excitement, the reward was in bookstores around the country. It was neat as I was speaking, going to airport bookstores and seeing our book there. And it certainly added a tremendous amount of credibility to us as speakers. And it, the fun part was after I spoke, people came up and threw $20 bills at me and said, <laughs> would you sign my book? Back then, there wasn't, or at least we weren't aware of print-on-demand. We had uh, been picked up by a small indie publisher that... I think you knew through the Houston Speakers Association. Yeah, Bullion Books. We didn't self-publish. We didn't know anything about how to get ISBN numbers or 
how to get the book printed or how to get it distributed into the bookstores or anything. I remember one time going through an airport bookstore and seeing our book in there. It's just like, wow! <laughs> yep. That's amazing. But part of the deal was that we would buy a certain number of books ourselves from the publisher. That's what Correct. happens when yep. you don't self-publish. Then you buy the books from the publisher. Each of us bought a certain number of cases of books. Then my mom had a stroke. I put my speaking career on hold. And so I wasn't doing hardly any speaking, whereas you were doing it a lot. That, that was how you were making your living. So you would call me up every month or so and say, okay, I need another case of books. <laughs> and my closet full of books gradually got smaller and smaller as I turned them over to you. It was an amazing experience. Backing up just a little bit, we were disagreeing about what should go where. We didn't know what the title of the book was. We didn't know how it was going to be organized. And we went to our friends, Jan Triplett, at the Business Success Center. Mm -hmm. And they had a big conference room with long tables. And we rented that room for a day. <laughs> we had printed out all the chapters that we had written. And each of us put the chapters somewhere on a table. And then we started labeling them. And there was a big whiteboard. And we'd start writing down what the different chapters were. And then organizing, okay, well, these chapters kind of go together. Well, these chapters kind of go together. And we just kept doing it. I mean, we spent a full day just organizing. And that's where the structure of the book came from, the, the illusion and excitement reward. We didn't write it with that idea in mind. That was just uh, something that came naturally out of the stories that we were telling. And that's what the book is. It's, it's each of us telling stories. And the stories relate to that knowing when to change and when to hang in there can spell the difference between success and failure in your life and your business, your career. You learn from other people's mistakes and your own mistakes. We look back and say, oh, I should have changed. I should have started doing things differently. And this will give you a lot of insight, the book will, in a fun way. <laughs> I still enjoy reading it. And we shared one time that both of us would still occasionally just pick up the book and read it again because it's helpful to be reminded about how to deal with gut-wrenching change. Must tell you, though, Kent came up with a wonderful idea. I moved to Austin 14 years ago, and Kent said, you know, I think we ought to update our book. It talks about Blockbuster and cassette tapes. And, and, and Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, oh yeah. which doesn't exist anymore. So... Uh, this time we updated it, we self-published, this time soft cover instead of hardback, totally updated, and it was very fresh and alive for today. Glad we did, and we got a good picture on the front. We, we did have an updated picture, although I still look as young as I was back when we right. first got the thing. Uh -huh. You're getting older. You do have low vision, <laughs> don't you, Kent? <laughs> so, oh, but... That's something, I think I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, but we actually had the book complete in 1999, Yep. coming toward the end of it, and we realized we could get it out right away, and then next century, we would be a book published in the previous century. You bet. So we held it until early in 2000. That was smart. So that we could have a 2000 date on it instead of a 1999 date. And the book sold for 1999 which means that if they handed you 
a $20 bill, you would give them a change. penny and change. You'd give them change because change is good. My grandson for Halloween had a T-shirt with coins glued to it all over. And I said, what in the world? He said, Granddad, it's the scariest thing. I'm change. <laughs> I had forgotten that yeah. story. Oh, my goodness. And I don't know about you, Tom. I still keep a file when I see wonderful things about change. Uh, but I don't plan to ever rewrite the book again. No, 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 no. It was, it's, it's done. Hey, this is fun listening to the ramblings of some, <laughs> some old men. But I'll tell you one of the things in the book, it's about Oreos. They remained unchanged for decades, and the competition was closing in on them, and they said, we need to change. And they didn't become a different kind of cookie. They said, how can we take Oreos and make them better? Well, of course, now double-stuffed, and oh, the list goes on and on. The point is, they took what they had and made it better. And our challenge to you, the listeners, is what can you do? How can you change things to make them even better? Take what you have, make it better. Now, with that said, Carolyn Cummins and Kent Cummins keep a lookout constantly for Oreo stuff. In fact, just today, I got a pair of Oreo socks, believe it or not. Carolyn found them. I don't think she found those at the dollar store. She's always looking for bargains and She's always looking for anything that says Oreo because she knows Tom needs it. And last uh, few months ago, I got a cake pan in the shape of an Oreo cookie. Perfect. Just a reminder to keep making things better. How can you tweak it? The book project is one that uh, we're still very proud of, but something that you haven't mentioned is... We hired an editor to give us uh, a good, solid, professional edit and a, uh, uh, what do you call those words in the back? An index. Yeah, the index. Boy, she made a tremendous difference. Our book would not have been the book it is without her input and suggestions. And that was Linda Webster, who used to be married to my best lifelong childhood friend, John Shakespeare who uh, has been a close personal friend of our family for decades, just like Tom and Dina have been close friends for decades. But that was a huge part of the success. The other thing is we had a graphic designer that actually laid out the book and figured out all the pages and whatever. Who, who was that? Who did that? I don't remember. Was it Dina? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it might have been my beautiful assistant and your wife, Dina. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the cool part. She did a wonderful job, but when we realized 15 years later that we needed to update the book, I was able to go through and pull out all of the paragraphs that didn't make sense anymore, like about cassette tapes, right? and replace them with new stories without changing the page numbers. Yeah, it was We easy, didn't have easy. to reset the book. Right. And now with print on demand, uh, all all we had to do was just upload the changes. And now when you get the book, it'll be uh, you know a little different. I suppose we could do that again, but I don't have any interest have in no doing that. I have no desire to do that. Onward no. and upward. Something new. Yep.
You may be wondering, is the magic of change still available? Well, yes, it is. And probably the best place to get it, particularly if you want it personally autographed, would be magicwordspress.com. I believe there's a special on my marketing magic book right now, but the magic of change is certainly available. And if you order it from that website, uh, I get to take a look at it and sign it before we send it to you. If that's not convenient for you, I'm sure you can find it on Amazon.com. Unless, of course, there's been some change. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com. Kent cannot preserve the secret legacy of magic without your support. Start today by going to fantasticmagiccenter.com and clicking the red Join Our Patreon button.